This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Today on State of the World, we rewind to a time when Israel and Gaza were close to peace. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close where they're happening. It's Monday, November 20th. I'm Greg Dixon. In a few minutes, trying to bridge ethnic and religious divides in Israel through music. But first, it's hard to imagine now, but there was a time when the Gaza Strip hosted a U.S. president and Palestinian statehood seemed close to becoming a reality. And Pierre's Greg Myrie has covered the Middle East for many years. He, along with the Palestinian journalist he worked with over two decades ago, bring us this look back. The year was 1998, and the mood was upbeat. President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton stood next to Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat and his wife to cut the ribbon inaugurating the Gaza International Airport. Hillary and I, along with Chairman and Mrs. Arafat, celebrated a place that will become a magnet for planes from throughout the Middle East and beyond, bringing you a future in which Palestinians can travel directly to the far corners of the world. For many Palestinians, the airport symbolized the larger effort to create a Palestinian state. It was the story of hope. Many people were optimistic. Palestinian journalist Takrid al-Khodari remembers this time well. My father and his friends, they were from the business community. When they visited the airport and then my father came to our house, and this is the first time I see my father, he's like, it will happen. A Palestinian state is going to happen. Now I believe it. I traveled from Jerusalem to Gaza on dozens of reporting trips in the years that followed. El Khodari knew most everyone there and was my guide. She now lives in Amsterdam with her two kids, ages 11 and 10, and that's where I reached her. Remember those days, Greg, we used to go together. You used to come from Erez Checkpoint. We drive together. The Erez Checkpoint. That's the border crossing with Israel. It's the way I went to Gaza and the way Palestinians came out in a bizarre rush hour scene that began at precisely 3 a.m. Tens of thousands of Palestinian workers were allowed into Israel, but they had to pass stringent Israeli security checks as part of a commute that could last three hours or more. At the stroke of three, the crossing opened, and nighttime stillness turned into rush hour madness, reflecting the fraught nature of Israeli-Palestinian relations, even when they were cooperating. A big part of the story back then was the rise of Hamas. Many Hamas leaders were killed by Israeli airstrikes over the years, yet they were shockingly casual about security. El Khodari would call them up, and then we'd go knock on their front door. We used to sit and have coffee or tea and chat, trying to understand their point of view. Their view was essentially that Israel should not exist, and they talked about it openly. In 2005, it seemed Gaza might calm down at least a bit when Israel withdrew its troops from the territory. At that time, Al-Khodari was leaving for a year at Harvard in the Neiman Fellowship Program for Journalists. It was a dramatic change from the confines of Gaza. 
you are exposed to all this freedom of movement and universal values and all of that you learn in American schools. And this is what you like so much and you get the stimulation and it's just so powerful. Yet when she came back the following year, Gaza was again in turmoil. The Rafah border crossing between Egypt and Gaza was closed. El Khoury was stuck on the Egyptian side, unable to return home to Gaza for 39 days. It was horrible just to wait. You know, the idea of waiting, waiting and and, and hoping that the next day is going to open, next day is going to open. It was awful. During her time away, something else happened. The Palestinians held an election and Hamas won. It was instantly clear this would have serious consequences. Shortly after the election, I spoke with NPR's Terry Gross on the program Fresh Air. What has reaction been in Israel? Israel is denying that they have such a plan to uh, force uh, the ouster of the Hamas government, but they're certainly thinking about and talking about a lot of things to make life very tough. Life in Gaza has been very tough since then. Israel and Hamas have fought every few years, including heavy battles in 2009. It was scary because I also thought I would lose my life. During Israeli airstrikes near her apartment, she huddled under a table and made promises to herself. I will share with you one that is going to Paris, to go to Paris and to enjoy life. She did. And then she moved to Amsterdam in 2010. But her family is still in Gaza today, and she worries about them constantly. I haven't left Gaza because all my family is in Gaza. All my friends. I just learned that my music teacher during my elementary school was killed. It's it's just uh, so sad that I cannot help them. I used to cover stories of people, and now... My family is in the story. She wishes they could join her, but flights out of Gaza are a distant memory. The short-lived Gaza International Airport shut down in 2001 amid fighting. Today, it lies in ruins. Greg Myrie, NPR News, Tel Aviv. We'll be back in a minute. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, Treachery, and Survival at the Edge of the World by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Breast cancer cells multiply faster because of CDK4-6 proteins. But what if blocking those proteins and stopping runaway cell division was possible? Dana-Farber scientists laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, new drugs that are increasing the survival rate for many advanced breast cancers. Dana-Farber's momentum of discovery keeps finding new ways to outmaneuver cancer. More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. In Israel, concerts are on hold during the war. But NPR's Daniel Estrin did find one band performing. The band, whose members span ethnicities and religions, is working to bridge some of the divides in the country through their music. They recently performed at a Tel Aviv hotel. The audience, hotel staff, a couple of NPR journalists, and mostly displaced Israelis who have been calling this hotel home. As many as a quarter of a million Israelis have been internally displaced since October 7th. Some of them have had their homes destroyed, 
Others were evacuated from communities near the Gaza Strip and along the border with Lebanon. Firkat Nur, which means band of light in English, is here to play for them. When it all started, it was like a big shock for all of us. Elad Kimchi plays guitar and sings in Firkat Nur. He says right after the Hamas attacks in southern Israel, he couldn't even touch his instrument. But then he and members of his orchestra started volunteering. We started to play to people, uh, refugees from the south and from the north, trying to make them a little bit smiling. They are in hotel, but they're not for holiday. They are to be safe. That's the difference. Also us, musicians and from other people, we are not in the regular life at all. The life stops. Everybody waiting for something to be solved. We are orchestra which play oriental and classical Arabic music, classical Jewish ancient music. And also we played Mizrahi music, which is songs that was written here in Israel in the 70s, in the 60s, in the 80s by Jewish people from background of Middle East culture. In our orchestra, we have many members. Some of them are Muslims and Christian people. They are religious, Orthodox, and also secular. And everyone is together. We are like a family. We play on uh, some of the Middle Eastern uh, traditional instruments. Kanun, the big uh, round-like harp, but on the legs, it's a traditional Arabic and Turkish instrument. Next was the bass guitar, and I played on the darbuka drum, which is the famous uh, Middle Eastern hand drum. Also, I sing. These songs we play all the year. It's part of our identity. It's part of our culture. Arabic language was the language that our grandfather and grandmother used to speak in Egypt and in Syria and in Yemen and Morocco and Libya and all the countries that expelled them. This is what people like here. They feel like home. The grandma used to listen at home for famous Egyptian music and fa- famous Lebanese music. It's in the blood. It's from very young age. So it's not a, the enemy language. It's also language of our grandmother, grandfather. <laughs> Elad Kimchi and members of the band Firka Nur, playing for Israelis evacuated to this hotel from the northern border. They don't yet know when they'll get to return home. Daniel Estrin, NPR News, Tel Aviv. That's the state of the world from NPR. 
For more coverage of all sides of this conflict, go to npr.org slash Updates. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to Viore.com NPR.